Hey everybody, welcome to the Fantasy Players Club. I'm your host, Levi Valentine, at Levi underscore Valentine on Twitter. Joining me is my co-host, Brent Hud Hud Follow him at Brent Hikus, A-G-I-K-E-S on Twitter. Brent, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? We got football going on, camps, no positive COVID tests for any players most recent week. So it's looking good. It's it's hmm. coming up a couple weeks away and I'm extremely excited for it. Looking forward to watching some football. Me too. Let's hope they can keep it up. We have a Mm -hmm. quick episode tonight because we are re-previewing the AFC East. And the reason we're doing that is we had a a little different approach. This was the first division we previewed and we had the approach where we just talked about everybody, but then we subsequently changed it to our buy, sell, stash, sleeper, fade format. Uh, and so we wanted to just real briefly give out our picks for each of those so you all can hold us accountable at the end of the season, especially Brent and all his terrible picks. You'll want to make sure you <laughs> can sh- get, tweet at him about those at the end of the year. So we're going to have run through those real quick tonight. Just me and Brent should be a shorter episode for you all, but still hopefully deliver a lot of good content and some uh, useful information. Now that we're getting close to draft season, Brent. Yeah, that's... Um... I, I think all my drafts are done, but I'm definitely going to be doing some more best ball drafts. So, nice. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people will be drafting too. So, it's, yeah, it's that time of year. Yeah, probably a lot of people trying to wait till the last minute this year to do their redraft drafts with yeah. everything that's going on. So, hopefully, we can help them out. Before we hop into the main event, we do have a very special bit here <laughs> from Trevin uh, about some start some breaking news actually. So, let's listen to that. We interrupt this fantasy football podcast to report the FBI and state police have coordinated to issue arrest warrants for any grown man who has ever tweeted at a college athlete or recruit. There is no statute of limitations. These warrants go back to the start of Twitter. These warrants also don't discriminate between positive or negative tweets. The FBI is calling this Operation Five Star. In a press conference this morning, the FBI director had this to say. I want to stress... We don't care about the context of your tweets to these kids. If you're tweeting at them, you're a creep and a weirdo, and it's past time that we were put behind bars. There is nothing more important. We need to get these freaks off the Twitter streets. Some have said that this will cast too wide of a net, but right now that's not a risk we are willing to take. The important thing is we get them all in jail and sort it out later. We were also looking into a way to arrest anyone who has ever criticized a woman talking sports on TV. Lucky for us, we don't need to issue separate warrants. These are the exact same people. We here at Bougie Magazine will keep you updated as the story develops. Magazine for that breaking news. Brett, thank you. Are you worried that you might have an arrest warrant out for tweeting at players? (laughs) No, I I will say that I've retweeted like when Nebraska gets a commit because I'm excited to see some stud come commit to nebraska so that's the only time that's the closest i'd ever been um i can't i mean i have seen some comments to these high school kids it's it's pretty crazy what what you see and i mean hopefully these are other like at least college age kids or high school kids that are tweeting at these other athletes hopefully they're not 30 40 50 year old guys which in some cases they are i mean Let's be honest, but hopefully most of them are younger kids. 
Hopefully. And even then, I'm like, why are you tweeting at players, especially like yeah. after bad games in college, if yeah. you're tweeting at the quarterback or whoever on the team, telling him mm-hmm. he sucks or whatever. Might be time to step away from the computer for a little while, man. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you to Bougie Magazine for letting us know what the FBI is doing to get those people off the streets <laughs> because we've got enough going on in our world that we don't need to worry about people doing that. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, let's hop into the main event. And now for our main event. Uh, so as I mentioned at the top, Brent, our main event tonight, we are previewing the AFC East. So we have the Bills, Dolphins, Jets, and Patriots. Uh, Brent, who is your dynasty buy from the AFC East? My dynasty buy is Chris Herndon, tight end, New York Jets. He had a decent rookie year in 2018. Um, same year, same rookie year as Sam Darnold. He had 40 catches, 509 yards, four touchdowns. And he played a lot better as the season went on. So you can tell towards the end of the year, him and Darnold had a nice little connection going. Um, and, I mean, I would say at times, maybe at least towards the end of the year, he was probably Darnold's favorite receiver by the end of the year too. Um, but last year, last year I was high on, on Herndon. Um, it didn't turn out so well. Um, <laughs> he, he, he was suspended the first four games. And then went, this, the next game when he came back, he got hurt. He ended up only playing like one game last year. I think he only had one catch. Um, but, I mean, that's last year. Brand new. He's healthy. He's ready to go. Darnold is his quarterback. Darnold sounds like he's healthy. No mono. So, <laughs> hopefully not COVID or anything. So, hopefully him and Darnold can continue on with that nice connection they had at the end of 2018. Yeah. And um, reports out of camp, it's sounding really good. He's making a lot of plays. Jamison Crowder said that he's going to be their X factor on their team. Um, Sam Darnold even quoted that he's making plays all over the field. Um, PFF, he was the fourth highest graded tight end since 2018 in the red zone for tight ends, which is pretty impressive for, I mean, knowing that the Jets really probably aren't in the red zone that much, though. Um, he's around the 20th tight end taken in ADP. Jack Doyle's ahead of him. Blake Jarwin's ahead of him. Um, not big fan. I'm not a huge fan of those guys. I would definitely take Herndon over them. And I'd be okay with waiting, really waiting a long time to take your tight ends in a, in, um, a dynasty startup. Because you can get Goddard and Herndon pretty late. If you, if you get those two in, in a draft, I'd be okay with it. I mean, you know, one of them will do – well, I think one of those guys will hit big. And if the other one doesn't hit big, I think the other one will still be decent, decent backup. So, yeah. Johnny Smith that. in there as well. That's yeah, another yeah. one in the life of that range. That's who I was going to say next, the John o. Smith and Herndon combo too. I mean, you, you can't go wrong with, with a combo like that and take care of your other positions and then get your tight ends late. So, big fan yeah. of Herndon this year. I like Herndon a lot, too, and actually I'm going to talk about him a little later, so I won't say too much here, but hopefully he can stay healthy this year, and hopefully Sam Darnold can avoid the, the groupies and learned his lesson last year with Mono so he doesn't get COVID from one this year. <laughs> so I like that pick, Brent. I like it a lot. Uh, my dynasty buy is Cam Newton. So Newton finished as quarterback 10 in 2018 despite playing in only 14 games, Brent. 
He had the best completion percentage of his career that year at 67.9%, which was well above his previous high of 61.7%. This was possible because he threw the ball short. He was number 23 among quarterbacks in pass attempt distance. He was surrounded by weapons in Carolina, as we've discussed in previous podcasts last week, actually, uh, who thrive when taking the short passes and doing running after the catch. We know that's a big part of what made Brady successful in New England. Uh, and aligns well with what they want to do in their offense. Julian Edelman, James White are still there, and the, those are the types of plays where they thrive. Uh, he also has Nikhil Harry there, and we know Newton had success with a similar receiver in Devin Funchess in Carolina. Uh, and so all that same approach that Newton had in uh, 2018 in Carolina was led to 24 touchdowns and 13 interceptions despite missing those two games. I think there's a good chance he can replicate or improve upon the success with Belichick's guidance in New England. Uh, even missing two games in 2018, he finished top five at the position in carries, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns for the eighth consecutive season uh, among quarterbacks. I expect that to continue to be a big part of his game. That contributes significantly to his fantasy value. The Patriots' starting quarterback job is Newton's to lose, is what Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald is reporting, one of the beat writers there uh, for the Patriots. He's a dynasty buy because he's only 31. He's going to have significant value if he can use this year in New England. He's on that one-year deal with a ton of incentives. Continue his maturation as a passer and either re-sign there or get a starting job elsewhere after the season. Right now, he's going 160th overall. His quarterback 16 in DLF's August ADP. I think he's likely to outperform that pretty easily this year with upside for a spike in long-term value as well. If he can either, like I said, resign in New England or get a starting job elsewhere based on his hopeful, what we, what I expect to be success this season. Uh, you can get him pretty cheap, as I just mentioned, based on his ADP. He's also going for something like a third round and a throw-in in a lot of trades. So you're not going to have to pay up for Cam Newton. And I think you can get probably a, a lower-end quarterback one this year, but somebody you can – feel pretty comfortable about, about going into the season with as a starter with a lot of upside for a spike in value after this year. I promised I, myself that I'd take it a little easy on you after, <laughs> after last week. We're off to a good start here. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it though. Of Newton. Um, uh, yeah. I'm not a big fan of Newton. I, I, I think it's a bit riskier than what you're thinking. I, I, I do agree. His ceiling's pretty high. If we see the old cam, yeah, his ceiling's pretty high. And he'll be playing for a few more years, for maybe three, four, five more years after after this year. Um, I'm just worried. I, I'm not taking the risk with cam. I, I, he definitely will start out the year, I think. I just don't think it's going to end well at New England. Um, it's just a hunch. I don't have any numbers behind that or anything. It's just a hunch. And maybe we see Stidham at the end of the year. I don't know. I think there's a there's a good chance that the Patriots will not be good this year. And I'm talking like maybe five, six wins. So that I mean if if Cam Newton's still playing when they're when they're five and five and eight, I don't know. I, I know I know he's playing for that next year's contract and everything, but I don't know if the Patriots will We'll keep him out there. Do you expect so, the Patriots to be bad based on the defenders that are opting out? I mean, or... with I mean, yeah, that's probably that's probably a game or two without those guys. Um, but it's over. I didn't expect that good of a season. I mean, before they announced they're opting out, so 
just because you don't think Cam is that good? Um, the old Cam, I mean, the Cam that I that I saw that I saw like four, five, four or five years ago is good. I'll give him that. But I don't know. Like I said, I have nothing behind it. It's just a hunch. It's just a okay. hunch. I was just curious if there was anything more than that as far as why you didn't expect him to be good. Uh, I do think that could play into Cam's favor if their defense is not as good from a fantasy perspective, if he gets more volume. Uh, 2017, Cam Newton was quarterback three in fantasy points, so it hasn't been that long ago. Of course, he missed almost all last year with injury, and then 2018, I mentioned, was when he had a pretty good year despite only playing in 14 games, and then 2017 was his last really elite type of season, so... I don't know. I guess I'm just a little more optimistic than you, but I think you there it is a riskier buy, but I think it's priced accordingly also. Yeah. yeah. I mean if you're only getting rid of a third rounder, I mean it's not that risky, but I don't I don't think I think you definitely want to have somebody somebody else besides Cam. Yeah, and one of my leagues this year, I have Matt Ryan as my starter, and I didn't have another quarterback, and I got Cam pretty cheap. So I think something like that could make a lot of sense if you're looking yeah. at adding Cam. Yeah. All right, I'll go first with my dynasty sell. So mine is Le'Veon Bell. Uh, sell Bell, Rant, sell Bell. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell is now 28 years old. Last year, of course, was his first season in New England. He was no lower than 11th among backs in carries, targets, receptions, and receiving yards. Despite all of that, he was only 16th among running backs in fantasy points, and it was due to his just terrific efficiency. Guess what his yards per carry was last season, Brent? What is it? 3.2. That was the worst of his career, down from 4 in 2017, and pretty... Pretty easily the worst. I think his rookie year he had three and a half, and every other year he was in that four, four and a half, five-ish range. So not great. Uh, when you factor in his 5.9 yards per target, he averaged about four yards per touch, which was number 51 among running backs. And to add insult to injury, he was only able to score four touchdowns due to being number 27 among running backs in red zone touches and only having one breakaway run. One breakaway run! You know what it takes to be a breakaway run, Brent? 15 or more yards. That's it. He had one the whole season. <laughs> uh, not great. His Duke rate didn't change significantly, but in yards created, which are yards gained after the first evaded tackle, he went from number five to number 21. So I think he's making just as many defenders miss, but he's not getting those yards after he makes the defenders miss. And I think that's due to a decline in his burst, his ability to accelerate once he gets past that first guy. Uh, he's going number 73 overall in startup ADP as running back 28. If you don't like the value you can get now, which seems to be something like a late first uh, for 2021 or what we you would expect to be a late first, uh, you may be, be able to squeeze a little more out of him by trading him in season. Uh, but I wouldn't be holding him at the end of the year. He's like a hot potato rent. He, you don't want to be holding him on your roster when yeah. the music stops, if this were musical chairs. <laughs> so... I would be looking to sell Le'Veon Bell unless you are a true contender this year and you need the depth. I, I like it. I like it. I didn't realize you said 3.2? 3.2. 3.1. 3.2. Yeah. Brutal. And, and I know um, – Speaking – go ahead. I just want to say I know that's not all his fault. Some of that was that bad New York line, but I think some of it's also on him, and I think he's – like I said, he's 28 now, and he's trending in the wrong direction, certainly. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I totally get it. You don't want to have him at the end of the year. And if you're a contender, I mean, yeah, I can understand why you want him on the team. Um, something interesting that I was – I listened to a podcast the other day, and they talked about Le'Veon Bell. And that's funny that you said his last time he had a breakaway run um, was quite a while ago, and that was 15 yards. But they said the last time he had an over 30-yard run, it was four years ago. So <laughs> – that's that's the really old Le'Veon Bell right there, and it, he was good back then. But this is now; it's 2020 now. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I, I thought about having him as my cell, but I have someone else. Yeah. Okay. Who is your someone else, bro? Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle. Um, the whole Patriots backfield is a major question mark. Lamar Miller just got signed there, and who in that muddy backfield I, I don't know it's it's a mess it's a mess back there he, he opened the camp on on the pup list he had foot surgery in May um, they signed Lamar Miller and I'm I'm hearing reports from their beat writers that J.J. Taylor their undrafted rookie running back is getting most of the reps behind James White so that's I mean if J.J. Taylor breaks out that's just another guy to throw in that in that backfield um, there's also Burkhead there. I mean, we know what we have in Burkhead. And there's also Damian Harris, the third-round pick from last year. He's the one I've been hearing buzz about a lot. Damian Harris? Yeah. Good, good. But, I mean, I, I think – I mean, if I had the – I don't know who the heck's going to come out of this backfield. I mean, James White's – I mean, James White will get his um, yeah. as, as a receiving back. But ESPN's, ESPN's Mike Reister believes that Harris has put himself in a good position to be a – primary option in the Patriots running game alongside Rex Burkhead to start the coming season. All right. All right. It says his fresh legs and soft hands have helped the second year back take advantage of the continued absence of Sonny Michelle. Fresh legs and soft hands, Brent. Is that what you like to see in your running backs? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And definitely Sonny Michelle, I don't think he has those fresh legs. So that's, that's why I'm selling him. Um, Cam Newton's going to take some red zone carries if Sony Mostel does happen to um, get his role back. I mean, Cam Cam will take some of his red zone carries. And Michelle, he only got 3.7 yards per carry last year, so that's not that good either. Um, I just don't think it's wor- he's worth the risk at, at, at a spot. I'd much rather have guys like Adrian Peterson, Latavius Murray, and Duke Johnson at, at his ADP. So I'm staying away from Sony Michelle. I completely agree. I would get rid of Sonny Michelle for anything I could at this point. The only question I have is if anybody's really going to be buying. I know a lot of people aren't fans of him and with his injury history and now what's already been going on this spring or this fall, I should say. I just, I don't know if you're going to be able to find a buyer, but if you can find one willing to give you (laughs) just about anything, I would probably take it at this point. I was actually talking to uh, Tyler Harbeck, who's in a couple of our leagues earlier this earlier today and we were discussing a trade. I was actually trying to acquire Damian Harris uh, from him. And he mentioned that he isn't sure that Sonny Michelle will ever play another game for the Patriots. And honestly, after thinking about it, I'm not so sure either. Like you mentioned, he wasn't that effective last year. They have a back who can probably at least do what he's doing there with Damian Harris. And they also have Rex Burkhead and James White in that backfield. And I think, you know, the Damian Harris probably has a lot more upside coming out of Alabama than Sonny Michelle does at this point. I 
I would be surprised if Tyler is right and that Sonny Michelle is done in New England. We'll see. But I would definitely be looking to sell for anything I could. And I just I just don't expect that you're going to find too many buyers at this point. So you may be stuck holding the bag. I agree. I agree. Who's your dynasty stash, Brent? Now, that this is a deep stash. I actually drafted him um, in the pro game league. Malcolm Perry. <laughs> Malcolm Perry. Hey, this is a dynasty stash. I can pick whoever I want now. <laughs> I, shouldn't, so, I shouldn't expect the unexpected after last <laughs> week's Taysom Hill pick. Oh, come on. <laughs> so, right. so, I mean, a, a stash is someone that you can get basically for free or very cheap and maybe stash him and and if he hits great if he doesn't cut him i mean that that's the way i see this if he doesn't hit by i mean i'd say if he's not playing by the end of the year you can go ahead and cut him um i mean if your roster allows it if you have a big enough roster i I don't think i'd want to hold on to him for years but um, I, I do think we have to see something this year for this type of player. And I think we could. Uh, I've been a big fan of Malcolm Perry since his college days. Quarterback at Navy. And as you know, Navy is an option team. He rarely ever passed the ball. I think he probably had more receiving yards than passing yards, to tell you the truth. Um, he had 4,359 yards on 614 carries. 7.1 yards per carry, so doubling um, Le'Veon Bell and Sony Michelle, and he had 40 touchdowns. He also caught 22 passes for 470 yards, so I don't know if he's throwing it to himself on that or not. Um, his last game of his career, 28 carries, 213 yards, and a win, a bowl game win against Kansas State. He, had, he even had a couple games over 100 yards against Notre Dame in his career, so he's played some decent competition. Um, yes, he was drafted in the seventh round, one of the last picks, actually. But he's capable of playing multiple positions. He can play special teams. Right now, he's been focusing on wide receiver, which is which is huge because Albert Wilson opted out and Ellen Hearns opted out. So, so there's a spot for him there. So definitely opportunity. He's going to be competing with Jakeem Grant and Isaiah Ford. Those guys, they're nothing to, to holler at. So I think he has a decent shot to get that third that third receiver and maybe play a little little bit of running back behind Howard and, and uh, 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 Matt Breida. Yes, Breida. Um, and, and I'm definitely willing to stash, to stash him and take a chance. And if it doesn't work out, go ahead and cut him. I mean, it's, you're not wasting too much on him. And – if it gets to be like week eight or something and he's not playing, um, go ahead and and you need that his roster spot for somebody else, go ahead and cut him. So I, I think it's definitely worth a shot. He, he could be pretty good, I think. I'm not going to talk down Malcolm Perry, and I know it's your stash, so I know you are a longtime fan. I just – I don't know. If he makes the roster, that'll be uh, – Interesting. I think if he is doing some work at receiver, that's definitely a better chance. And I think he'd have a pretty uphill battle at running back. Because uh, like you mentioned, Howard Brita, and then they still have Patrick Laird and Kalen Balazs on the roster. And I don't think either of them are that good. But, but there's it's just there's a lot more 
competition on the depth chart than what they have at receiver at this point. So I I think he's an incredible person, obviously, going to Navy and uh, being both, you know, in what the service academies, they're pretty rigorous. And then what he was able to do on the field as a football player, certainly cheering for him. Uh, and I think if you like him like Brett and you want to take a shot because it would be a really fun story, go for it. All right, mine is a little less deep than yours, and you probably won't be surprised by this one, Brent, but my dynasty stash is Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, And so he's going number 20 overall in rookie drafts compared to Burrow at number 12. And so for a late second-round pick, you can likely have a steal, I think, starting later this year, and then a quarterback who's really set to take off in 2021. Obviously, the big concern with Tua is how well he'd be able to recover from his hip injury last year. Uh, every report we have so far is that he looks completely healthy, uh, including during padded practices now that those have started. So that's fantastic news as just a fan of Tua in general and certainly great news for his fantasy prospects going forward. They do still expect Fitzpatrick to start this year, so I think that's why Tua fits better in this dynasty stash category. But I do expect Tua to get a shot later this year to get his feet wet a little bit. Uh, at what point in the year that comes, who knows? And I think that's why he is more of that dynasty stash is because it could be pretty late in the year by the time he gets a shot, but I do expect him to get some work later this season. He was every bit as good as Burrow on the field, and I know we've talked about this quite a bit, Brent, but Tua actually had a better quarterback rating last year than Burrow did, and they were basically equal in QBR, or Tua had a better passer rating, excuse me, than Burrow did, and they were basically equal in QBR. Uh, Burrow was a 94.9 and Tua was a 94.8. Interestingly, those were just barely behind Kyler Murray, who I think has the all-time highest PBR at 95.5 or something the year before. So they were right there with what Kyler was able to do, both of them. So for the price, I think you're getting a pretty good discount on Tua. And from everything we've heard, it looks like maybe that injury concern isn't something we have to worry about, at least in the short term. We'll see how he does once he gets on the field. But yeah, give him some Tua as a stash for uh, – good chance to have really good value as a quarterback starting next year. All right. You know, my thoughts on Tua. Um, give me Burrow. <laughs> give me Burrow all, all day. All even day. at, even considering price, you'd still take Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I mean, I, okay. I, I'd never, I never have Tua on any of my teams, um, but, but it's a stash. I mean, you can't expect yeah. much from him this year. And um, Fitzpatrick, he'll, he'll, he'll get, He'll get his playing time at the beginning of the year, then then Tua towards the end of the year if, if things aren't working out at Miami. Yep. Um, then they'll definitely want to see what, what, what they have with him. Did you know that Tua threw Malcolm Perry at a 70-yard touchdown? <laughs> no, I did not. A scrimmage? <laughs> there you go. You'll, you'll have to check it out. That's a win-win for our stashes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. My redraft sleeper you're going to like, Brent. It's Chris Herndon. So Herndon's currently going number 165 in drafts as tight end 17, according to ESPN's ADP. I think he's likely to finish as a tight end one this season and has a ton of upside, as you mentioned earlier, Brent. Last year, of course, he was limited to just 16 snaps because of a variety of reasons. So he missed the first four games with a suspension, missed three games with a hamstring strain, and six games with fractured ribs, essentially resulting in a lost season. Uh, the Jets selected Herndon in the fourth round of the 2018 draft, quickly put him in a position for a big role. He was on the field for 63% of New York snaps as a rookie 
And we've talked about it extensively on this podcast, Brent. Typically it takes rookie tight ends a couple of years to really get involved in the offense and produce, but that wasn't the case with Herndon. Uh, he, following a slow start, he was the fantasy's number nine tight end from week six on as a rookie. So a fantastic finish to that season for Herndon. His 10.3 average depth of target was fifth highest at the position, helped him to a strong nine yards per target, which was 10th among tight ends. He had 502 receiving yards that season, which ranks 12th. His catch rate was 12th. His yards per target was fourth, and his average depth of target was second among rookie tight ends since 2007. So uh, just no matter how you slice it, it was a strong rookie year for Chris Herndon two years ago. Sam Darnold was a rookie in 2018 as well. So obviously they quickly developed a rapport, and I expect that to continue this year in 2020, Brent. The Jets receivers are Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perriman, and Denzel Mims. I don't know about you, Brent, but I don't feel great about any of those. And so I think that leaves the door wide open for Herndon to seize a big share of the opportunity in this passing offense and become a tight end worth starting on a weekly basis with, I think, top five upside uh, as a tight end in this offense. He's an excellent post-type sleeper target and uh, well-positioned for a breakout year. Great pick. <laughs> we're on the same page for once Brad. It's, been a, it's been a while <laughs> who is your sleeper Brent? well um we probably won't be on the same page anymore after this one <laughs> um my redraft sleeper is devin singletary it, you know i love devin singletary very good running back very good running back trust me but, but when you look at the numbers from last year and his red zone numbers, you might wonder why I like him, um, especially when they draft another running back in the third round like Zach Moss. Yeah. I ask so, myself that question every day. <laughs> I go, why does um, Brent like Devin Singletary? I just don't get it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> when, when I look at his numbers, I see – I can pick and choose some numbers to – to throw out there to make it not look so good too so um yes he scored four touchdowns last year two rushing two receiving he only had 29 catches last year so that's not very good for a starting running back and i, I totally agree with you there um but he did average 5.1 yards per carry and he only played 12 games last year and if you if you watch those games he really only played around seven games last year um, they really brought him back at the beginning of the year. He got injured and they brought him back slowly. They like gave him like three or four carries a game. There were some games he had like four carries for like 60 yards. Um, it's, there are some games that were really questionable where you came out, came out of the game saying that Devin Singletary is a stud at running back. Um, I just think he needs the ball more often. And maybe the bills didn't want to, too much on a rookie's plate so that's what I'm thinking um towards the end of the year he started getting the the ball more often and he did well he, he did well I, I'm not going to say he did great um he did well defenses keyed on him I mean Josh Allen isn't a great throwing quarterback um so they really wanted to focus on Singletary um and he almost had 140 yards in that playoff game against Houston Texans last year and that's something that you really got to look at. And playoff games are huge. I mean, it's, it's the whole season right there. 
Um, I really look at playoff games to see what type of players are doing well, what type of players are playing. He played a lot of that game. He had like 20, 20 touches and 140 yards. They still didn't give him the ball enough. I think they could have won the game if they would have kept on feeding Singletary in the fourth quarter, which they didn't. I mean, they put it in Josh Allen's hands, and he's young. I'll give him that. And he, he, he didn't look the greatest. Um, but I really think they could have won, won that football game if Singletary might have got maybe five to seven more touches. Um, yeah, like I said, it's, I thought they were playing it safe because he's a rookie. Um, I do feel this year it's time to unleash him now. And, yes, with having Zach Moss there, it does limit his potential a little bit. So, But I do think he's going to get over 151 carries. And if he was a borderline um, running back two last year with 151 carries, I mean, he can be a high-end running back two with 200 carries. So, I mean, with his, with his running back ability, his vision – his skills at running back. I mean, I think, I think the Bills can be one of the top running offenses in the league next year, next to the Baltimore Ravens. So, and I mean, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of Zach Moss too. So this could be a two-headed monster. Um, that's I didn't have Devin Singletary as my dynasty buy. You know me and my dynasty running backs. I I kind of drop them a notch for dynasty, but for redraft. I have Devin Singletary as my running back number two and a lot of my best balls. So I'm all in on, on the bills rushing offense this year. This is going to be perfect because Devin Singletary is my redraft fade. So we're going to give our, our listeners both sides of the coin and let them decide, I guess. Perfect. Uh, Brett, that's one of the reasons I was most excited to talk about this division again, is it gives me another chance to talk down your boy, Devin Singletary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, just to give some context, Devin Singletary is currently going number 57 overall as running back 23 in the SPN ADP. So he's right there as a lower end running back two, if you're in a 12 team league, higher end running back three. Uh, He's expected to work his lead back again this season, Brent, as you mentioned, but I think his size, 5'7", 203, uh, will limit his volume. You mentioned what they did with adding Zach Moss this year. I think that's very interesting from their perspective because they saw how successful Singletary was last year, and they went ahead and took Zach Moss with a third-round pick despite that just a year after they spent a third-round pick on Devin Singletary. So, to me, I guess that makes me question whether they really want to give him a workhorse back type role or if they think he can handle that at his size and after what they saw last season. That's one of the things that makes me question uh, what to expect from Singletary this year. I do expect Zach Moss to be pretty heavily involved along with Josh Allen, especially at the goal line. Last year, Josh Allen, you alluded to some of these red zone stats, but I got a little more detail, Brent. Uh, Josh Allen had 21 carries in the red zone. 11 of those were inside the 10, and five of those were inside the five. Compare that to Singletary, who had less carries in the red zone at only 18. Only three of those were inside the 10, and only two of those were inside the five. So when they get in close and they have those really high-value carries, it was Josh Allen taking the majority of them. Uh, And I think there's potential for Zach Moss to also absorb some of those high value red zone and especially inside the 10 and the five uh, carries as well. 
Singletary is serviceable in the receiving game. Brent, you mentioned that. He's not prolific. He's going to add some points, but it's not one of his true strengths, I wouldn't say. Uh, Zach Moss could eat into into that work, too. Uh, Zach Moss had 28 receptions for 388 yards last season at Utah, so he was a very competent pass catcher, and I could see him getting some third down work as a pass receiver if he can figure out the blocking aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, What that leaves you with, then, if – with Singletary, he's a running back who's going to carries between the 20s, but has his volume capped in both the rushing and the receiving game by Zach Moss, and he's not going to get those high-value carries or targets on the goal line, which Moss and Josh Allen will probably vulture quite a few of. And so that, to me, leaves you with a running back who's essentially being drafted at his ceiling and redraft as running back 23. And I guess that's just not what I want to do with my – draft picks i want to have somebody with room for to deliver more than what i'm paying for them and so in adp you look at it he's sandwiched between jonathan taylor and deandre swift uh with kareem hunt and mark ingram right behind swift i'd probably take taylor swift or ingram as my running back three over singletary just because i see them having a little more upside potentially uh and that's just kind of where i'm at like i don't hate singletary he has he had a really good year last year like you alluded to brent but just with all of those factors kind of swirling around him, I just don't see a lot of upside where he's currently going in drafts. And so I'm probably not going to have him on my rosters this year. Okay. I mean, <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> what do you see as his ceiling? I mean, if Zach Moss is healthy, the ceiling's not going to be that high. If Zach Moss is not healthy, his ceiling could be very high. And, I mean, yeah, they drafted Zach Moss, but the Ravens have Mark Ingram. They drafted Justice Hill in the third round last year, and then they go and draft J.K. Dobbins in the second round. They want to run the ball. I mean, some of these teams just want to just run the damn ball, and I think that's what the Bills want to do. They want to run the ball, and they're going to need both of those guys throughout the year. And a lot of those games last year, I, I, I like the Bills. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Josh Allen, and obviously I'm a fan of Devin Singletary. So I, I watched every single one of their games last year. So the thing is with that, Singletary brought him down the field quite a bit. He, he got like two or three 10, 12-yard runs, and then they take him out when he gets him down to like the 10, 5-yard 10, line, and then Gore's in there. But – I mean, Josh Allen ended up running it in anyway because, I mean, Gore wasn't really that good in the red zone anyway. Right. So, I mean, a lot of – that happened not just a few times. That happened quite a bit because yeah. Singletary got him down there. And Singletary is not the type of back that that can break the long run like a – I don't know, like a, like a Swift or, or a Kamara. Um, but he, he can get you the tough yards and get you 10, 15-yard yard runs frequently. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of him. I'm excited to watch him and Moss this year on the same team. Yeah. I don't know. That was a good non-answer there, Brent, as far as what you see as a ceiling. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> like I said, like I said, it's, it depends on – I mean, a lot. there's a lot of factors to play into this. Is, is Moss um, – are they going to treat Moss like a rookie, like they treated Singletary last year? Um, I definitely think Singletary is going to get over a thousand yards and he's going to have more than two rushing touchdowns this year. So right there, right there puts him um, definitely a running back two at least. So 
Are you familiar with the Bills Mafia, Brent? Since you said yeah. you are a Bills fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge, crazy Bills Mafia fan, but... <laughs> but you're ahead. familiar with them and their antics. Yeah. yeah. So, can we make a bet related to this Devin Singletary thing, since we are on opposite sides here? Absolutely. So, can we say, if Devin Singletary gets over 1,000 yards, I will jump through a table. <laughs> if Devin Singletary gets under 1,000 yards... You have to jump through a folding table oh, man. in honor you know, of Bill's Mafia. Do you know how old I am? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to end up like pulling a hamstring, breaking my back, and I'll be out for a few weeks if I do that. Hey, Bill's Mafia doesn't want excuses, Brent. <laughs> uh, and I probably have to have like 12 Stellas before I do or something like that, too. Well, that, Bill's Mafia would certainly endorse that. I would even <laughs> would. get some Zubaz pants for mine. I would end up like a Bill shirt. I would go all in if you're willing to do that bet. And I, I just threw out a thousand yards because you said you felt pretty confident. I'll get a thousand yards. Oh man, what if what if he gets hurt? Are we throwing injuries? Uh, if he gets hurt, so what if we do prorated? So if he plays in half the games, he only has to get five hundred yards. Deal, deal. And do you want to say like he has to play at least eight games? Okay. So he has to play eight or more games and get – if he plays eight, it's 500, and that's just prorated. If he plays all the games, then he has to get 1,000. All right. I'm writing it down. All right. At least Our first games. official bet. <laughs> that's going to be such good content either way. <laughs> like, if yeah. it's you or me going through a folding table, it's going to be yeah, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be hurting for a while on that one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're going to lose. You're already <laughs> conceding that. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel confident I'm not going to. I'm, I'm just imagining myself <laughs> falling onto a table. So oh, Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Got it. If he doesn't play games, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> All right. I love it. That is an awesome bet. I, I'm glad we're finally making these debates count for something, bro. This is going to be <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. So, so you got your sleeper in, right? With yep. Singletary. Yeah. Well, my sleeper was her. Oh, no, 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 my you, fade you was your, Singletary. You your, yep. Okay, you got your fade. So All you right. go ahead with your fade. All right. Mine is you. You brought him up a little bit earlier, Rashad Perriman, for the New York Jets. He played on that Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense last year that got points. Um, he got a ton of targets. I mean, he he led some people to the fantasy championship with those last couple games that he with with those with those stats that he had um mike evans and godwin they were actually out for a few of those games at the end of the year so that's a big reason why he played so well or why he got such good fantasy points i should say huge opportunity Um, for him yeah yeah it's a huge opportunity i mean i think really any average receiver could have got that type of those type of numbers. Yeah. Let me rattle those off real briefly. Well, since we're talking about Brent. So from week 13, this is week 13 through 17. He had, he was wide receiver, 28, 23, number two with almost 35 points, number 15 and number three with 24 points in week 17. So if you had Paraman and you had the guts to start him during the fantasy playoffs, (laughs) he he delivered for you. Yeah, he did. Um, But unfortunately now he plays on one of the worst fantasy offenses in the league. (laughs) Uh, we know Crowder 
I'm not a huge fan, but we know that he'll probably get his targets. Um, he did. He got a lot of targets last year. Um, Le'Veon Bell is still a decent receiving back, so he'll get some catches too. And um, obviously, me and you were high on Chris Herndon. I actually think Herndon could actually lead the team in receiving this year. And they also drafted Denzel Mims, which I'm not a huge fan of, but they drafted him in the second round, so he could be something. And Perriman, I don't think he's really ever been good besides um, coming out of college. He was pretty high coming out of college. He was a first-rounder. Um, aside from last year's last couple games, he has a history of drops. Um, and he's on his fourth team in five years. I just don't think he's worth a draft pick in redrafts. And I think just go draft someone like LaVisca Chenault at the end of your draft and take a chance with him. So stay away from Rashad Perriman. Yeah, the only counter I would push back a little bit is just we think that somebody is going to have to step up in this offense, right? And I think Jameson Crowder will definitely get some work out of the slot, and we both like Chris Herndon a lot, but there may be enough volume there for Perriman to do something. You mentioned he's never had a good year. Last year, by far, was his best. He only had 645 yards, and most of it was in those weeks where Evans and Godwin were out. Uh, Before that, his best year was his rookie season. We had 499 yards, so not a lot to like in his history. He is only going as wide receiver 57 overall, though, so if you are even taking him and redraft, it's pretty late, but he's probably not going to be on any of my teams. Like you mentioned, there are a lot of other guys in that range, including like a uh, Curtis Samuel, Justin Jefferson are just going a few picks ahead of him. Jalen Rager is right around there. Sammy Watkins, Paris Campbell, Nikhil Harry. Give me one of those guys who has had just a year or two to, or potentially as a rookie, to, to hadn't, haven't had a chance to deliver that upside yet, but certainly have it as opposed to, uh, as opposed to Perriman. I agree. Awesome. Well, that was fun. We've officially wrapped up our, uh, our divisional previews, Brent, our yeah. first year, we got them all done. So we're going to, I'm going to post the poll, of course, for this one. Uh, last week we had Colin get the first, first full win for the guests, bringing them to one and a half wins overall. Uh, I have two wins. Brent is tied with the guests at one and a half wins. So this week it's winner take all, Brent. Hope you brought your A game. So, uh, <laughs> I'm also, once we get that final poll completed, I'm going to go back and create a thread on Twitter with our picks for each of the divisions. So anybody interested can scroll through all of them at once. I've kind of been posting them as we go through each division, but that way they'll all be in one place. And if we want to reference them in the future, they will all be there. As part of that, I'm going to make Brent go back to his AFC North picks. And I was instead thinking of, about that. <laughs> so Brent's AFC North picks, let's just run through quick. <laughs> For his dynasty buy, he had J.K. Dobbins and Joe Burrow. His cells were Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. Stash was Anthony McFarlane, Travion Williams, and Rodney Anderson. His sleepers were the Pittsburgh receivers <laughs> as a group. So let, let me clear that up for you. So, so I'll pick Burrow over Dobbins for my okay. for my uh, um, buy, my dynasty okay. buy. Who were my? Um, Your cells were Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. Baker Mayfield. Okay. And then your stashes were Anthony McFarland, Travion Williams, and Rodney Anderson. And I'm pretty sure you don't want Rodney Anderson anymore yeah, since yeah, he got he cut. Got cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll go I'll go McFarland. Okay. 
And then <laughs> you want to pick one of the Pittsburgh receivers as your redraft sleeper? Deontay Johnson. I love that guy. Okay. And then you actually controlled yourself a little bit on your redraft fade, <laughs> and you just, went, <laughs> you just went with Marquise Brown. So we've got okay. that narrowed down. So I will put all of those out because I didn't do the fancy graphic for all of them. So I got a few to go back and make, but that'll be a fun thread to look back on over the season. Yeah. Well, so uh, before we go, Brent, I have one final commercial and this again was submitted by Trevin and it's a, a new product that I think all fantasy owners will find helpful. Drafting and cheering for fantasy football players with past legal and or social problems can be tough. Say there's a guy with past assault convictions, but he seems to have genuinely changed for the better and is now a spokesman for women's shelters. The important thing to figure out is, how does this affect you as a fantasy owner? There is just no way to know when you can tweet about a player's success without fearing the repercussions of rooting for that player. Until now, using our morality calculator, you can find out exactly how much your player needs to produce for you to let you cheer as much as you want and still be able to sleep easy at night. It will not only take into account the severity of the issues, but also the remorse that they have shown since. Tyreek Hill has some past indiscretions with the law, and our calculator determines he will need 160 yards and one touchdown in a single week, or 1,600 yards and 10 touchdowns in a season, to feel good about your choice for cheering for a player with his history. Drew Brees has recently been on the wrong side of some societal issues, but appears to have seen the error in his ways. Our calculator determined he will need 225 yards passing and one touchdown in a week, or 3,000 yards passing and 15 touchdowns in a season before you can tweet about your selection. Visit moralitycalculator.com right now and use promo code RayCaruth to let us know this podcast sent you. Again, that is moralitycalculator.com, promo code RayCaruth. Kill owner brand, so maybe this tool will come in handy for you. You now know what yeah. that threshold is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think you definitely could have used that for your Darius guys share too. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> could have. I don't think it's going to be relevant anymore. I don't, I don't think he's going to be scoring any fancy points anytime yeah, soon. So I might probably to, to just let it go with Darius at this point. Yeah. What a disaster! Of it. Oh, I know. Assuming even one of the things he's accused of is true. Man, he's a ugh, just a horrible person. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. So thank you to the creators of the morality calculator for helping us all navigate those those troubled waters a little more smoothly this season. We'll look forward to that. And we'll look forward to our next episode. We're done with these previews, so we got to figure out what we're going to do next, Brent. But I know whatever we do, it'll be something the listeners will love. Yeah. Um, didn't we talk about doing our uh, – oh, what, 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 what was it again? Oh, bold predictions? Yeah, bold predictions. There we go. Uh, we, Maybe. we can do that. Maybe we'll give the people some bold predictions. Yeah. I got some bold predictions for you, for you guys. Uh, you are hot take brand over there. Oh, yeah. 
All right. Well, we'll work on those for next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you like the show, as always, it helps a lot. If you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, We'll have a new episode for you next week. Until then, thanks for being part of the Fantasy Players Club. On behalf of Brent Hud Hud Hikus, this is Levi Valentine signing off. See ya.